Alright, the floor is yours, you're hosting this one. Hello, and welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only podcast that makes you go back and watch movies from 2005 that only one copy exists on Amazon. Help me. My name is Jared, and as always, is my co-host, Steven. Steven, how are you doing today? Uh. <laughs> so, we are recording this podcast on Wednesday, November 9th. We watched this movie four days ago on Saturday. Would you say that you've emotionally recovered? No. But also, I, I don't know. I feel I'm in a weird position where I'm not leading this podcast, so I'm already a little on edge. I, the fact that we're talking about a movie that I did not appreciate is, is making it worse. Yeah, so Steven, what is your history with bad movies? I am not a fan of bad movies. Like, I don't... Anything that is intentionally... Well, this is not intentionally. Anything that is bad to the point where you start to feel bad for the anyone involved in the production, or you get to the point where this is just a comedy when it's not intended to be a comedy, it hurts me. Because, like, I'm an artist. I like creating. I... I look at things from a way that I want to build them up or like, oh, how do you fix that? I'd fix it this way. This is unforgivable. That's what I, okay, so that's what I love about bad movies. Like the bad movies I watch, they need, I mentioned this on one of our podcast episodes already, Mm -hmm. but you need the perfect intersection of someone with a very, very specific vision and no clue how to implement it. And also their vision is bad down to a core level. Yeah. And I know we're both performers. So I think part of the cringe for you and sometimes for me comes from, oh God, what if I'm that person? <laughs> but if you go deep enough into the barrel of bad movies, you will know that you are not that person. I would consider it as, here's my resume. I am a connoisseur of bad films. I mean, we're talking The Room, Birdemic, uh, obviously this movie, uh, it came from outer space. Did you get into the uh, Sharknado movies? No, and that's actually because Sharknado's made to be bad. Right. That's the kind I don't like. The kind where they are trying to make it some... They're, they're like, ah, oh, ha, ha, we're in on the joke. No, no, you need a creator who is not in on the joke. Actually, if anyone out there is listening and likes these types of movies like me, look up the studio Troma. Troma Films, which is really too close to trauma. It now really they, is. <laughs> they have some classics. Now, they know what they are. They're a B-movie that isn't... Like, they are in on the joke, but they are, they're not, they're, they're not relishing in the joke. They're not doing a Sharknado where they're like, oh, look how zany we are. They just know they have limited budgets uh-huh. and they're going to make fun stuff, including, and I've watched this, Poultry Geist, Night of the Clucking Dead. Oh my God. I, I already hate this. So wait, they're, they're B movies. Do they speed up incrementally every time they say the word B? I'm sandbagging that. Cool. Um, <laughs> in case you're wondering, Poultry Geist is a musical. Stop. It sure no. is. No. Okay, fine. So that's my back. I mean, I used to have terrible movie Tuesdays with my friends. I, I watched like 30 of those bad boys over the course of like a year because uh, one of my friends had a whole bookshelf full of just bad DVDs. Wow. And this one, Gone, might be the best slash worst that I have ever seen. This takes my top spot. <laughs> okay. So, okay, do you have, like, history or, like, a description of what this movie is before we deep dive into it? I don't know that one exists, because we watched the movie, and I don't know what it's about. Sure. Um, But to try and sum it up, you have three lawyers, two of which are Dirk Bean and Joel, I don't remember his last name. Glug. Glug, from season one of Survivor. Now, for context... This movie released actually so much later than I thought it did. It says on on Google right now that the release date was January 25th, 2005. What? That's what it say or that's what it says on Amazon. Insane. I don't know that that's true. Huh. I I read on the back of the box that Atlanta Christian Weekly 2003 had complimented it. Maybe I, they got an early copy. <laughs> IMDb says 2002. Okay, okay. So that's probably just a mistake on Amazon's part. Sure. Um, the record-keeping for this movie has unfortunately been lost to time, apparently. But even still, in 2002, I've mentioned this before, 
you know, we're through season two of Survivor. If it wasn't for this terrible movie and the fact that we do a podcast on every single episode of Survivor, I would not remember who these contestants are. So anyway, the two of them as hotshot corporate lawyers and uh, a man that we've never seen before, he's just an actor in the film, are like the three of them that are there to defend defend a no-name, multi-billion dollar corporation, international corporation, in Manila uh, in the Philippines. We're pretty sure, we talked about it while it was going, we're pretty sure that the third guy is the creator of this film or the director of this film. Or someone he knows personally. Yeah, I guess I can like look that up because I have the IMDb up right now. The director's name is Timothy Shea. I will not be watching everything he's ever made. The, yes, it, it is him. It is. Okay, so he's the director and actor on this production. Yes. Why does it take place in Manila? I think that's just because he is from the Philippines and that's probably where he could film it easily. It, yeah. Another place where uh, religious extremism is nice and rampant. True. The Philippines. That's actually true. Sorry, Christian extremism. Yes. Also on one island in particular, Muslim extremism. Oh, I didn't know that. Philippines have a fascinating history. We won't go into that here. No. Um, (laughs) So the three of them arrive to defend this multi-billion dollar corporation that is putting chemicals down the river and poisoning a village. And specifically the children of the village. I don't know why these chemicals only kill the children (laughs) but they focus on the children yeah but like we get this scene where they meet the like they're meeting the person it's right away in the movie they meet the person they're defending i guess is is there a trial they really never go to a trial it's like in a boardroom and they're russian for some reason it's all over the place because we we had this moment of they were speaking german and you were like no they were speaking russian and then it talks about how they were speaking Russian and German. And we're like, why? And there were no subtitles no. at all. You just have to sit there while they... <laughs> and their accents are so thick. Like, they, you cannot understand them that well when they're speaking English. Also, because the audio mixing is horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just the entire movie, I'm pretty sure, was just dubbed over in post. That was rough. So before I go any further in these summary of this horrible horrible movie that i loved every second of yeah steven points out pretty early on i don't think they're getting this audio live this looks like it's dubbed over Mm -hmm. and then i started watching their mouths and all of the sound is like a half a second off from the movement of their lips so either the audio got desynced or yeah you're right they recorded the lines in post every single one of them except for like one character the female character seems to have recorded them on location. Yeah, it's... And I, notice I say, the female character, <laughs> because there is only one. There is only one. Bianca Lapis, who I'm assuming this is her only movie. I mean, she was... Oh my god, no. She was the best one in the film. Oh my god, no. In multiple movies. Wow, good for her. She's the most accomplished actor from this movie. Correct. <laughs> It's a low bar. It's a very low bar. Oof. Yeah, so they're in the boardroom, uh, and then they leave. Oh, I also wrote down here, we get an opening monologue before we establish that we're in Manila. Just doing what an eight-year-old thinks a supervillain will do. (laughs) Joel or Dirk, I think it's Joel, is sitting there alone in a dark room with one lamp on with a cigarette in his hand talking about, like, I live life fast on the edge. I got things to do, money to make, girls to sleep with. And that is, the last one there is a verbatim quote. It is. Girls I, to sleep with. I think it was Joel, because Joel was kind of like the uh, the bad boy in this. Yes. And Dirk was supposed to be the, the one with the moral confusion and the one that you're supposed to relate to. Yeah. So we move on from the boardroom. To maybe my favorite scene of the entire movie. Now, mind you, every time we get a different angle on a scene, there is a different filter applied to the scene. It's either like slightly red or slightly orange or slightly blue. It is not a thematic choice. I think they just bought the wrong cameras. And that was what, and they, whatever camera they're using had that tint on it. They didn't have the right cameras. They didn't have the right audio equipment. I don't know. Fucking, we're just winging this. But that, but they cared so much. They, they did. cared so, and that's what makes this perfect. So we come to a presumably homeless man wearing a 
sign that says the end is near and screaming about how the rapture is coming. Yeah, this is the this is your stereotype of some crazy person standing on a corner yelling at you telling you better repent and get your life together because end is coming. Which does create a conflicting message. It does, doesn't it? I don't really try to listen to the people that scream at me on the street. Also, it's like near the dock, like near the harbor, like not near a sidewalk. It's a very weird place. There's no foot traffic there. Why is he screaming there? But like, why are, so the ad for Christianity end times prophecy is listen to the screaming psychopath on the sidewalk? Well, I mean, depending on which, which subsects of life you're in right now. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> True. And then he says something about bowling, and Dirk sees a vision of a bowling alley and says, yeah, I like bowling. Like, it's really convincing. <laughs> so I guess that's how he convinced him he's psychic? I, I don't know, man. This, this part of the movie was so confusing. And then he has a seizure. Now, if you think I'm missing something there... I'm not. Well, wait, doesn't he, like, go away and then come back to this guy? Because he, he leaves, and then, like, he won't stop talking about this guy. I think he comes... So, it's either he's... The seizure, he's fine, and comes back later, or he is... Uh, he's having flashbacks to this meeting. Okay. I'm, I think it's the first one. I was so just... Not even checked out. Just so unbelievably astonished by everything that I'm seeing. Even this early in the movie. Oh, I mean... It only gets worse. Mind you, we are maybe 12 minutes in the movie at this point. I think at this point I got up to get a drink, and you were like, Jared, we are only 12 minutes in. <laughs> so then the screaming psychopath on the street that is our prophet has a seizure. Yep. And it's picked up, and not an ambulance, but like a Subaru with a flag on it. <laughs> It's very clearly not an ambulance. Wait, we don't have the budget for an ambulance, man. Come on. And I also wrote down... Some of these notes are a little uh, all over the place, but that's because the movie is. Asian Weekly. <laughs> Tell me more about Asian Weekly. He shows him a magazine. One of the lawyers shows another lawyer of a magazine that is clearly not like it's like there's a piece of paper over the cover and they put their own cover on it like yep. it's not a good prop and it just says asia or asian weekly <laughs> and it's someone it's a it's a powerful person i guess they never extrapolate on it they're just like look at how powerful you could be you could be on asian weekly and i'm like first of all that's a white guy probably not going to be on asian weekly <laughs> second of all no <laughs> you can always tell about how good a, a props department is when they have to make, like, mock-up covers of anything. Covers of magazines, covers of movies, DVDs, VHSs. They, they're so telling. This one is printer paper that was... you that They put double-sided tape on the cover of the magazine and went, good enough. Fake ads. Fake ads are great, too. Oh, yeah. To which, then... I think it's the homeless man while he's having a seizure breaks down that Bill Gates, if you take his name and divide it by numbers, like if you, if you assign each letter a numerical order and then divide it by something and add it by something, you get six, six, six. So I knew, I knew going into this, that this was going to be some like bullshit Christianity propaganda, propaganda. Yeah. It's, it's a propaganda film. I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for 2022 boomer Facebook conspiracy theories yeah. to be the movie, but it is. Oh, it isn't. It isn't for the majority of the film. It is for this moment and, one and the more climax. Moment. Yeah, one more <laughs> moment, which I am still, I, I hurt from. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, I love this movie so much. It makes me so angry. <laughs> um, They keep talking about Barry. I think that's their boss. That's the guy who was on Asian Weekly. Okay. They just reference Barry a lot, but we never see Barry. A Asian Scarface that really doesn't talk very much. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Who's poisoning the children. Well, yes. So then we, the lawyers, because they're lawyers and have to, have to go do this, go to the village where the children are being poisoned. Yeah. 
So we see maybe some of the worst acting I've ever seen of someone dying. <laughs> it looks, at one point they're just like basically like, I am dead, but <laughs> But my favorite part, up until this point, the whole movie has been in full screen. Yes. But now we have people, now we need subtitles because yes. people are speaking probably Tagalog to each other uh, or whatever the language of the Philippines in that area is. Looking up. Um, and so we need subtitles. So they, sh- they do a little bit of screen shrinking. They put it in widescreen so that you can see the subtitles. It never goes back. It, it doesn't. <laughs> it's, it's just like, oh, we made a mistake. And now we're in a different mode. Now we're in widescreen for the whole rest of the movie. And this is like 25 minutes in. Insane. Absolutely just garbage. And we do the classic um, in the village of people being like, or the, the bad lawyer being like, the director, actually, Timothy Shea, uh, saying like, well, if, if if God is real, why does he let bad stuff happen? Huh? 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 Uh, why is he letting this kid die? Huh? <laughs> and Dirk is conflicted over his beliefs. He's starting, to, he's starting to have a heart. Yeah. And also, on this trip now, he's met the only female person in the entire show, the only woman in the entire movie who he will, of course, have a forced love connection with. But also, remember, he keeps bringing up this uh, homeless man, like, to his friends. That's important. To his partners. Like, multiple scenes, he just keeps bringing it up, and everyone's like, why why do you keep bringing this up, man? And he's carrying around the pamphlet. Yeah. Like, I, we live in a big city. I have had people on the sidewalk try to scream at me about a lot of things, about, like, the world is ending and blah, blah, blah. I never take their pamphlets, and I certainly don't carry them around for three days. Sure. But, like, Joel, the bad guy, was carrying around one of them. He's like, what's that? Oh, yeah, just a pamphlet the dude handed me. I'm like, that was several hours to several days ago, and you're just casually walking around with it? For the record, the national language of the Philippines is Filipino, but there are, like, 16 different regional languages. Is Tagalog one of them? Yes. Okay. Hmm. The more you know. The more you know... Yeah, and so he's... Stephen, do you have any thoughts on on why you should take brochures from homeless people to save you from the devil? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like giving the people who scream at you the benefit of your time or oh. your focus. It's just, it's not worth it. Usually, if the people are shouting the end is near, I don't know, they haven't been right yet. That's true. Unless the world ended in 2012. It, they've been... Oh. And this is all an illusion. This is all a simulation? Yeah. Shit. Why don't we have a better podcast then? Because <laughs> we watched Gone. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so, now we get to the inciting incident of the movie. All of this is before the inciting incident of the movie. Which is, as you may have guessed, the rapture. Yep. Steven, how would you describe the CGI effects of the rapture? I'd like to, uh, this is how I'm going to describe it. It's a combination of early, like, 3D cartoons. Like, you, you ever watch, you go back and you watch Hercules, the the Disney classic Hercules. Mm-hmm. And you're watching it, and it's in cartoon. And then all of a sudden, you get to the Hydra, which is in 3D animation. And this is their first step into 3D animation. And it's so jarring and so out of place that you're like, I don't like this. Go back to the regular animation. It's a little bit of that. But they also try to mask it with like a filter of like, it's it's translucent. But people are just kind of like flying up into the air. But as like a 3D model... Of a ghost. Of a ghost. So they literally, it literally makes a popping sound. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And then their clothes fall, and you're right. They it look, it's like badly 3D animated, like ghosts, like slowly going up. And it doesn't matter where they are. They show multiple shots of mm-hmm. multiple locations in Manila of just people being raptured, and there's always the same number of ghosts, no matter what the backdrop is, because they're just reusing the same foreground over and over and over again. And apparently, Manila is heavily Christian because there is like seven people left in this city. Yeah, <laughs> but like, it, it's like they stole a a three D render that was supposed to be used for 
learning how to use the internet. And they're just like, we can use that for our movie about the rapture. Great. Let's do it. Surely this will be fine. So now we get a montage. <gasps> We're gonna need a montage. <laughs> of our three lawyers running around all of Manila looking for people. Yeah. I think. Uh, they don't do a very good job of it. They don't. We get the, we get a shot of them running downhill in a neighborhood. We get one of them running across the bridge. Uh, we get one... Oh, we should talk about that moment. When Dirk is on the bridge and people start popping when he's alone. He's going to the village. Oh, yeah. They're on like a, a, a free... I don't know. A freestanding bridge. Yeah. Is that what that's called? Yeah, a rope bridge. Yeah, rope bridge. There's like tons of people on there. And he's just having a moment where he's just staring off into the distance. And then you start hearing the pops. And then he like turns around. And there's just clothes scattered everywhere. Just like hanging from the the bridge. And on the ropes. And on the ground. But there's no underwear. No underwear. No, everyone was just freeballing it here. You can't go in front of God naked, Stephen. Oh, I'm sorry. You have to keep your undergarments. God, the one who created us, is mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. Don't you dare fucking show me that. And we get one other person on the bridge. <laughs> we get one random Filipino lady that we will never talk to or see again that is just crying because the person she was with is now gone. Yeah, what's her story? Why? Why? Why is? What does she do to not be raptured? I don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, she didn't believe in God, Stephen. Oh, I'm sorry. Followed by maybe 30 straight seconds of Dirk just running up the side of a hill. Maybe the best cinematography in the movie. They actually got a camera on a crane. Mm-hmm. But kind of pointless, as then we go into the montage of them running down the streets and running across bridges. And it, they use the same shots like three times. This scene is so weird to me because they are. They're searching through a city and they're having trouble finding anyone. But then later on in the movie, we see large groups of people everywhere. We see people in background shots. We see people, like an entire mob of people chasing someone else. Yeah, so as you can imagine, this movie's not tonally consistent. No! Shocking, I know. And there are times where you're right. They'll just have, they'll be filming on what is just a residential street, and there will just be people walking around. Yeah. But it's also, with this next scene, trying to impress upon us that the apocalypse is here. Everyone that's good is is gone. gone. So everyone you meet is going to be bad. So we're looking around the city. It's only been, I don't know, maybe a matter of hours, but we're dying of thirst. None of the plumbing works. So we search the city until we find what I call the V8 faucet. Because we, (laughs) we, we find what is essentially like an outdoor hose hookup. We turn it open, and it begins, like, leaking. It's not even, like, fake blood. Like, that'd be, like, syrupy. It's, like, it's just red water. Yeah. It's very clearly not blood. I don't, I don't know, man. It's the V8 faucet. I think they just use tomato juice. Yeah. But it's important that we show that, because then they're going to show us a shot of the ocean, but make it red. Because now the ocean's blood. They literally just put a filter over the ocean, and it looks terrible. It is... I know this is 2001. Technology's not as good, but, like, it's worse than any, like, Instagram filter. Hold on. I want to... I'm going to look up movies from 2002 <laughs> and be like, no, you have this to compare it to. Keep, keep going. Okay. Um, I wrote down this scene as, we're all going to die in other muggings. So, <laughs> our three lawyers run through Manila. And they end up at what I think is like a bus depot, which is where the V8 faucet is. The director, Timothy Shea's character, begins screaming about how, no, you don't get it. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. Give me some. And they're like trying to barter for some water from these guys who are just standing around the bus depot that don't look like they're in an apocalypse at all. Mm-hmm. They have plenty of water for some reason. Mm-hmm. Only to tell him that the water he's drinking is pee. That, and he didn't notice that it was pee when he was drinking it from the bottle. Yeah. And so he throws it down and starts, like, hacking it up or whatever. And it tries to draw parallels of, like, he was making fun of the guy having a seizure, the homeless man having a seizure, and now he's being made fun of. And, like, oh, look, he, you know, you might be powerful, but eventually you won't be powerful. And then he leaves the party. Yeah, he just, like, pieces out and doesn't come back for, until the very end of the movie. Which... 
I think he just got tired of acting. Like, hey, I gotta direct this movie. Like, <laughs> you guys do the rest. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna just be behind the camera now. Yeah, and right after the scene, or maybe during the scene, I have a quote that I don't have context for, and I need your help, Stephen. Okay, go on. Does the phrase "live in la vida loca in hell" mean anything to you? I am assuming. I remember this because I feel like I wrote this down, but I lost my notes. Whatever this was, I <laughs> assuming he was trying to like pull a one-liner, but also trying to make it seem like we're in a bad time, and they somehow accomplished neither. <laughs> <laughs> Live in La Vida Loca in hell. I think that was Joel. I think you're right. I think it was Joel talking to Dirk, or maybe the girl that's now tagged along with them. Sure. The best actress in the movie. Best actor in the movie. <laughs> For the record, the of the top grossing movies in 2002, just for special effects comparison. This is one of them, right? No. Oh, okay. Spider-Man. Oh my god! 2002. <laughs> Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, 2002. Okay, straight up. Would you rather watch this movie or Star Wars Episode Two? Again. Episode Two. No. And it's not even close. Oh, really? It's episode... See, episode two is what I don't like in a movie. It's a seven out of ten. It's boring. It's safe. It's I'm bland. fully aware of that. I've seen episode two quite a bit. And I would much rather watch episode two. It, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Oh, no. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, no. These are all... Goldmember. Austin Powers Goldmember. All the same time. Scooby-Doo, a fully rendered 3D animated <laughs> Scooby-Doo is in the same time. I broke Steven. I'm so mad. And then <laughs> just all of, I mean, we're talking about all the CGI. All the CGI is so bad. They they say that the stars are going to fall, which I think is probably like a Revelations mm. prophecy, but they never tell us that. I just have to assume because I was raised evangelical and I think I remember something about that. So we get a... <laughs> get a scene of what we can call the stars falling it looks like galaga yeah they just kind of like beam, beam, they, they'll beam. just like go away and i i am not mad like i'm never one to be like you didn't throw enough money at it to make it good like fine you don't have to have amazing special effects to make a good movie if you're choosing to do this then commit but there's so many ways around not showing the things that you want to show. Like, if you want to just pop and people are gone, great. That's fine. Do that. Don't pop and then also half-ass CGI to make it look like they're rapturing. Yeah. I'm angry. <laughs> so, all of this, listener, you're probably thinking, wow, this is really off the rails. And it is. But this is where the movie really goes off the rails. Oh my god. Because now we have... The movie doesn't know where it wants to go. They're like on a like riverboat at one point. They're kind of just like going around the city without any particular objective. Their stated objective is to find a helicopter to get them off the Philippines. However, we've established this as a worldwide phenomenon, mm -hmm. so I don't know how that's going to help. Yeah, but also it, it like weirdly becomes a search for water at some point, right? It's, yeah, at points they're looking for water, but then they're also looking for the helicopter. Unfocused, to say the least. Very unfocused and unclear. And... Steven, we're both actors. Sure. I'm directing a show. I'm directing two shows coming up. I love it. I think I'm going to push my actors to ascribe to the Joel School of Acting, which I'm... is say something and then repeat yourself but scream it. Yeah. yeah. Over and over and over. Jared, that's how, you, that's how people know you're committed. Jared, that's how people know you're committed. Now, Jared! <laughs> That is how people know you are committed. This Luke, is this say this is exactly what he was doing. I I tried to count, but I was too enraptured by this movie. But I got to six times, just in these like three scenes that we're going to be talking about. You say that Timothy Shea didn't want to act anymore and wanted to direct. If this is his directing, boy, I am excited to watch his other works. Oh, don't make me do it. If you think that Steven should be should suffer and watch more bad movies between seasons, write in to SurvivorTBT at gmail.com. I will do it. Because I, I, I committed to saying if people wrote in. Nobody did except you, so that's cheating. But I did it anyway. I could have gotten Michaela to write in. That's fair. 
If anyone wants us to continue with these movies and torturing Steven in between seasons, please write in SurvivorTBT at gmail.com. So, <laughs> so now we get to a point in the movie where we're back at that bridge for some reason. Um, the rope bridge. I don't think it was supposed to be the same location, but it very clearly was. <laughs> Oops. And they're look. You're right. They're looking for water. They've stopped looking for the helicopter. And so we see a single kid running, a large gang of maybe like 20 people that then shoots the child. Was and it a child? I think so. I don't remember it being a child, but go on. The bottle of water rolls towards our heroes. <laughs> they take the water and then they run away. So like, I kind of expected this to be an inciting incident where he takes the water and then suddenly the mob is after them. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It never ha- Like, we don't talk about that mob ever again. We don't talk about the water. We don't talk about the fact the kid just got shot. We don't talk about the mob. Nah. The, I am not leaving context out. That is all the context we're given, and it is gone as quickly as it appears. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, for my second favorite scene of the movie. Which is? So we find, like, what I think is a beached boat. And the actress in the group, who's, I, I don't know her name. I'm just going to keep calling her the actress. Because once again, they only cast a singular, singular woman as anything but an extra in this movie. Bianca Lepis. Bianca Lepis. Bianca Lepis leads us all to a beached boat for some reason. She's very excited about it, though. And all of them go running up to the railing. They get up to the top of this, the, you know, the deck of this beach boat. And they all run over to the railing to look at something. I still don't know what they were looking at. The camera does this sweeping, dramatic music as they stare out over something. But we stay looking at them with the camera slowly backing up. What were they look looking for? What did they find? Did the editor cut out a scene? Did they forget to film something? Unclear. We didn't watch the deleted scenes. There, I don't. Were there? I don't know. I hope not. Yeah, I just put in all caps. What were you looking at? There was. There was. Oh God! There was definitely a director's commentary, like audio track. You could have thrown on that. No, we're not. I'm. I will give it to you. You can watch it on your own. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I did jump ahead on something. Now the ocean's blood. Oh, sure. Hmm. Not in the scene where they're looking out of what could be the ocean, but like a scene later. Sure. I saw ocean's blood now. Which, uh, is that after Ocean's Eleven or? <laughs> that's actually the spinoff. Okay, got it. Ocean's blood. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the multiverse where they actually failed. Oh. Yeah, so then we have a scene where there's been some tension between Olivia and Joel. And so... She falls. Just there's like run somewhere and she falls. And it gets kind of rapey. Yeah. Joel gets right down on the ground right behind her ear and starts talking like this right into her ear. Yeah. It's so out of nowhere and uncomfortable. And knowing what we know about the character, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, Joel's the bad guy. Joel and Timothy Shea are the bad guys. But like... It was way out of left field. It was, it was Timothy Chase kink. Like that's the only reason it was in there. It was, it was, it was not great. <laughs> and so now, keeping with our theme of <laughs> maybe the rapture got everyone, but wait, there's also people. Two motorbikes show up, and both with sidecars, very yeah. conveniently. It's great, thank you. The guys that are driving them leave them running, and then go inside of a bar. I think. I thought it was like a. No, they go to the urinal. Yes, you're right. It's a public bathroom. Yeah. They just leave their convenient motorbikes of convenience lying around. Thank you, plot device. <laughs> and then the army shows up? Yeah. Do you know why the army was there? Because I never figured it out. They must have been trying to, like, take the resources or monitor the resources or like take control of the situation but it's really unclear and they don't really go into the re like they're threatening people and then all of a sudden joel like takes the military hostage yeah he takes a gun holds a guy hostage oh no they were they were like this is the water bottle like they're trying to take the water from dirk right 
I don't. Or did know. I just imagine? That? I think you just tried to give it some purpose. That's they fair. just show up and point guns at them. Sure. And Dirk's trying to talk to them, and Joel takes one hostage. They try to get Joel to stop. They get in the back of an of an armored like troop transport vehicle and tell the guy to drive. So he does. Okay. We're trying to get to this giant cross because some, for some reason a helicopter will be arriving at the base of the giant cross. I don't know why. Uh, uh, I, I think it was like their designated meetup, but they don't say that. Which makes sense that the the very anti-Christian atheists would put it at the base of a cross. Yeah. On the, way high up in the mountains, Sure. by the way. Um, no, no, no. Because they went to where their initial meetup was supposed to be, mm-hmm. and the... the the helicopter flew away, waited for them to get close, and then flew away. Like, fuck you, I guess. Yeah, no, they really didn't like those guys. That was a personal dig, and then the helicopter somehow, pilots against them. Somehow they knew that another one would be coming to the cross at some point. Yes. Do we? Do they tell us that? No, they don't tell us how they know that. It's just, it's happening, so shut oh up. Gosh. Oh, this movie. <laughs> so we now we're at a field at, like, the bottom of the mountain slash hill where the cross is, and... We just let the guy go who we had held hostage and walk past the military all-terrain vehicle and just walk towards the mountain. Oh, no no fear of retaliation. It's even worse. Like, they get out of this armored vehicle with a full-on like, mounted gun and they get out, they tell him to stay there, and then they walk directly in the line of the mounted gun mm-hmm. up the hill. Yep. And the guy just stays there. Yep. Also, I know where the ambulance budget went now. <laughs> <laughs> it went to military vehicles. There you go. And then we do a Satan. Go on. <laughs> so we get up to the helicopter pad. Timothy Shea shows up in a helicopter. Uh-huh. I don't know why we knew... He left the party. I don't know why he's back. Or how he got this helicopter, sure. but he is back. And him and Joel reveal their very cool marks of the beast, which are tattoos on their on their chest. I think I think Joel's is like on his hip. They, yeah, it's like weirdly like in this in his belt groin area. Yeah, yeah. They gave him a dick tattoo and said <laughs> it's the devil. What what describe this tattoo for me? It looks like what someone would get as, like, that they think means, like, hope in Chinese. And just, like, made it really big on their chest. I, I don't know if this is an actual thing. But it's, it looks it looks like it's trying to be somewhere between a character and, like, a drawing. Yes. Like, uh, character, by character, I mean, like, symbol or a piece of writing and a drawing of maybe a character. And... From looking at it far away and getting like first glance, I thought it was just a stylistic word saying sex. <laughs> I did not catch that. But that's I, great. I that's all I could look at the whole the entire time. Like, is that just is that just the word sex with designs around it? Because if it is, you found the right people to act in this movie. Honestly, it might have been. And now we get to my favorite scene, my, the climax of the movie. We have to convert Dirk. We need to convert him to the dark side. <sighs> so this is where we get basically a slideshow of 2022 boomer evangelical Facebook posts as the climax of the movie. This made me so angry. <laughs> I was cackling. So to start, we quote C.S. Lewis. I don't remember what the quote is. It happens too quickly. But the... The, the devil guy is quoting C.S. Lewis. Yes. Why the fuck would he do that? I don't know. <laughs> He's basically trying to tell Joel, I think it's too late. Uh, or Dirk, rather. It's too late. You need to join with us. Here's all the signs that you've seen your entire life that God is here and God is real. <laughs> so he quotes C.S. Lewis. And then says, verbatim, science has never disproven the Bible. But, okay. I... I, I get you need, like, a hey-come-to-Jesus moment in your religious movie. Yes. Why is the devil giving the come-to-Jesus moment? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. It's a, it's a good question. 
It's just listing all sorts of bullshit facts. It just drives me nuts. Well, but, and this is our next bullet point. Steven, if man... This sounds like a fucking Joe Rogan podcast now. If man evolved from monkeys, then why are there still why monkeys? Why are there still monkeys, dude? Why are there not half human, half monkeys? That, That's how evolution works. I hate this. No one, Stephen, no one could explain the DNA. And you may ask, listener, explain what about the DNA? Dude, Shut up. Yeah, they don't, don't ask this kind of questions. They don't go into any detail about this. This is a monologue. It's just, it is. It's him in a very close-up, like just his face with red light and everything, spouting off all of these facts one after the other with no breath and steven did you know that the top 10 inventions were all made by christians that's a lie i don't think who who's what? ranking the top 10 inventions uh. what what would we consider the top like that is a subjective list but nope they're all made by christians and then it gets worse <laughs> steven Yes, Jared. What would you say is the biggest distraction from God? Video games. No, Stephen. It's wake up, sheeple. It's the Super Bowl. Oh, of course. You're right. (laughs) The Super Bowl is a distraction from God. How, 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 How didn't I see it? I've been wrong my entire life. Football is the devil. Foosball is the devil. Fantasy football is the devil. And last, and most importantly, Stephen, Satan created the lawsuit. Go go on, tell me more. No, that's the end of the monologue. You don't get any context for that last one, or any of them, but especially that last one. I'm so I'm so upset that the mic is falling over now. <laughs> the mic is wilting, having yeah. to listen to this. It doesn't want to do it. <laughs> oh, it's just I. I don't know that I consider myself like an uber religious person. I was raised Catholic. I am all for spiritualism. Spiritualism. I'm for like you have your thing, believe in your thing. I I don't know that my beliefs fall in line with what Catholicism considers the one and only answer, but it's certainly not like nothing. It's somewhere in between. This movie made me so angry. <laughs> And probably pushed me more away than bringing me into Jesus. Welcome to my upbringing. I'm so... It hurts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't raised Catholic. I've been to Catholic Church a few times. But, like, can you imagine a Catholic preacher ever getting up there on the pulpit and saying that God created... Or that Satan created the lawsuit? From when I was a child? No. Now, well, yes. Well, yeah. A hundred percent. This movie was ahead of its time. <laughs> no, but like, jokes aside, this movie actually is a really good insight to crazy fundamental Christianity. Mm-hmm. Stuff that now has become mainstream, yes. but 20 years ago was on the fringe. Yes. I want to be clear. Like, the, the, the priest that I have had, like, most of any priest that I've been around have been phenomenal, have been great, have not pushed these crazy theories. But there are those, and they, they're they out there, and they are very vocal and very wrong about many things. Now, segues are hard, Stephen. So, I've never ridden on one. God damn it. <laughs> so, you know how we should just segue all of our segments? Sure. You just don't get it, do you? I don't. Because that's how this movie segues anytime it needs to, it needs somebody else to have the ball and to, for them to be able to talk now. They just say, you just don't get it, do you? I don't. Over and over and over again. You're right. It's, it's, it's perfect. I don't understand. We have another shot where they either cut something or forgot to get an angle because it's one still shot on Dirk and Olivia. And they're not the ones talking. It is Joel and it is Timothy Shea. And his, like, hand is coming into frame, but not all of him. And then, like, his face gets into frame for a couple of it. Yep. And I'm like, just turn, just turn the camera, just put the camera on the, on the guy who's talking. We don't just have the angle. It. We can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> we ran out of time. It'll show that we're not, he's not actually saying the words that he's supposed to be saying. <laughs> that might be true. And then, 
we so Joel doesn't go to the dark side, doesn't get on the helicopter, but Timothy Shea shoots Olivia for no good reason. Well, and the exact quote from Joel is, "Why did you shoot her?" To which Timothy Shea says, "It's irrelevant." <laughs> he did say that. Ver. Adam, just top tier writing. It hurts. It's irrelevant. This is the part in the movie where I was quite literally standing up yelling at the TV because this is not okay. I was also yelling at the TV, but I was like, I was popping off, man. <laughs> Give me that garbage. Funnel it right in. <laughs> and then all these people show up to the cross, including the army, but now the army's not hostile, I guess. Oh, but he's like carrying the half-dead body of this woman up the stairs but he's not really carrying her he's just like he like both her legs are still on the ground and she's walking but like he's pretending to carry her no one leg is up one is like kind of hopping along with it so it looks you could have maybe made it look like she was being carried but no we make it look the worst possible way and she makes sex noises while they're climbing the stairs nice and for our conclusion, Dirk gets on the cross, he kneels, she dies, I think. There's like red lightning everywhere. We green screen everything. We green screen everything. He repents. But Steven, it's okay. <gasps> Why? He still has time. Oh, really? Because it's all a dream. Oh, shit. And actually, no, the opening of the movie is with Dirk with the cigarette because he wakes up with the cigarette still in his hand. Or is it Joel that wakes up with the cigarette still in his hand? It's it's Joel. Wait. And no, you're right. It's Joel. Yeah. Because he wakes up from that having that weird dream. He walks through this big suite to go uh, to go wash his face, turns on the faucet, splashes water in his face, and it's blood. So was it a dream? Was it not a dream? It's either a, either wasn't a dream or Manila has some serious plumbing problems. <laughs> but like, I your through line is confusing there. If you would have done it with Dirk, I would have been like, okay, yeah, yeah, fine. It was a dream. Or no, it wasn't. Maybe he just woke up and it's the next part. But Joel had a dream where he's the bad guy? And then also... Sees it from Dirk's perspective? It's so confusing. I don't... Ah. This movie has broken me. Did you have fun? I don't want to say yes. (laughs) There were parts where I was so astonished, so blown away by how stupid it was that I was like, okay, you can't help but laugh at that. For the most part, though, I was just angry at the TV that's the thing, Stephen. I want media that makes me feel something. Attack of the Clones does not make me feel anything. That's fair. I felt something when watching this movie. I did too. It was bad feelings, was... but I felt something. The Okay. From top to bottom, like, the start, I was like, okay, this movie's gonna be terrible. It's gonna be ridiculous. And then it gets into the weirdly, like, preachy moments, and then the rapture happens, and I'm like, okay, this is bad. And then we get into the full-blown, straight-in-your-face, yelling, unbelievable and completely false <laughs> allegations, conspiracy theories. Someone just went on a Reddit awful thread and just said, oh, we'll put that in the movie. Sounds great. Yeah, this is the original 4chan. Football is bad. This movie is the original 4chan. And from that moment on, I was so checked out that I just couldn't get behind anything anything that this movie put on which is good because there was nothing left so that's true it was at the end i was i'll be perfectly honest like i committed to this bit okay i we we joked when we found this movie because you did in the where are they now and there's a i bought the dvd you did (laughs) and i was a little worried i was like what if this is just like bland bad Mm mm-hmm it's not bland. It's not bland. It's, you can say a lot of things about it, but it is not bland. Certainly not good, but it's not bland. <laughs> Closing thoughts, Stephen? I am just... I uh, It accomplished what it wanted to. It made me feel things. And it's, we talked about it. It didn't accomplish the correct feelings. Yes. It made me just upset and angry at everything that went behind this movie 
One thing that's interesting to me looking at Timothy Shea's movie catalog. Oh no, go on. He seems to hate lawyers. <laughs> because like a lot of his movies have to like one of them is suing the devil. Like he seems to just hate the legal profession. I'm imagining that he is a man who doesn't have a great relationship with lawyers for whatever reason. Can't imagine why. <laughs> your your final thoughts, any wrap up you would like to have? Yeah. I just want to reiterate that, like, this is the kind of thing that, like, people will try to recreate, like, the room. Like, mm-hmm. people try to recreate the room, and it's bad because they're trying to, they're trying to create something that can only be made in absolute ignorance. Mm-hmm. This is absolute artistic, spiritual, <laughs> emotional production ignorance, top to bottom. And it is a gem. Okay. Give me a a rating on a scale of one conspiracy theory to five conspiracy theories. What do you rate this movie? I mean, it's it's like a 4.5. Like, it's like, it's almost, it's almost perfect. Holy shit, Jared. It's almost Jared. perfect. I mean, of all the bad movies I've watched... I cannot think of one that I had a better time watching. I know. I was not expecting this. Because oh. even The Room and Birdemic have points where they drag, where there's really like nothing uh-huh. interesting happening on the screen. Sure. There's not a single scene of this movie where something interesting was not happening. Cool. I'm going to take your other 0.5 and give it 0. <laughs> 0.5. Because <laughs> there was an attempt. They made a movie. They did things. There was CGI, I guess. There was, I don't know what kind of computers were involved, but there were computers involved. Uh, I don't know, man. End this, all right. We've been t- I expected this conversation to go like a half hour. How long have we been talking? We've been talking for 54 minutes. Hell yeah. Well, are, okay, 50 minutes. If people don't look at the, if they just look at the episode time and not the title, they're going to think this is a regular episode. Oh my God. Anything you want to plug, Steven? Mm. I want to plug not this movie. I want to plug watch movies with real actors and real production quality and real script writing. Not this bullshit. I would like to plug the fact that Dean has or, uh, or Dirk Bean has been in a few other movies now and one of them has been scrubbed from the internet called A Rabbit's Trail. A Rabbit's Trails. And I will find it. It's the last thing I do. For my co-host, Steven, this is Jared. For my host, Jared, this is a broken Steven. (laughs) Bye-bye, and we'll see you in season three. I need things to lift my spirits. (laughs) No! More Survivor, please.